0: welcome to the daybreak podcast I'm your host Miriam Nizam and together we'll tune into stories lessons and insights from everyday individuals on how they've navigated major crossroads in their lives my goal is to inspire you with proof of what's possible and how to thrive when the tides of change come knocking because they almost always do on today's episode my guest is Amanda bridges And we're talking about reinvention after loss and grief. I met Amanda about a year ago on a beach when I was relatively depressed. And she said a lot of things and I don't know that I took all of that in. So today is going to be an opportunity for me to learn about her just as much as it's going to be for all of you. But just in terms of quick background about Amanda, Amanda has worked in PR and advertising as a strategist and communication consultant. She helps agencies develop stories and campaigns, but she's also a certified cancer journey coach. So two different places, but totally interesting story. And Amanda, thank you for joining today. Much appreciate having you on. Before we get to your story, first question I have to ask is, what's made you decide to come on the show today? Reinvention is one of my most favorite topics.
1: And it's funny because we come to many crossroads in our lives and we reinvent ourselves over and over again, at least those of us who are open to it. So I love talking about reinvention.
0: In that spirit of reinvention, what does it mean to you when you are at a crossroads and you're confused about who you're meant to be, the path you're meant to take? I know it makes a lot of people uncomfortable. What does it mean to you and how do you see people generally react? It's because we're sold a
1: path in life. We are told that we grow up, we go to school, we get into a job. We get married or we don't, we have kids or we don't, and we continue along that path and we stay in the same job and we stay in the same industry and we work at that job until we retire. And then we do that, retirement is usually nebulous, and then we do that until we die. And that's the path we're sold in life. And when anybody does something that diverges from that path, it makes people really uncomfortable because they see that there was another possibility.
0: I, I totally agree with you and that's just definitely been my experience the world that we live in is changing slightly. It would be amazing to come back in 10 10 years and see what the experience of that next generation has been. But let's get down to your story, because you've definitely had to walk down a very uncomfortable path and probably had gone through more significant evolution than most. And it's really the reason I was originally introduced to you is because my friend hopes that you got to talk to Amanda. She's about one person I know that's changed the most. I would love to hear a little bit about your story of reinvention, but also who were you pre-invention? Okay, so I've lost
1: many people to cancer in my life, but it wasn't until my husband was diagnosed with cancer in late 2018 that I really came to that crossroads and had to decide who I was going to be. So at that point in time, before he became sick, I was your high-powered corporate executive working at an agency, fast-paced life. My job was my identity. Everything about me was tied up in what I did. I was tied up in the business of doing and I wore busy like a badge. And suddenly when my husband was diagnosed, we decided to move to Europe to, to pursue alternative treatment and some experimental treatment to see if we could kick this. And I had to put my entire life on hold. And it's funny because in every cancer journey, there's what I call the deciding moment. It's a moment where you decide how you're going to show up. And mine came on December 24th in Paris. That's when we actually got his diagnosis because we'd had two a negative biopsies in Canada and a third at the Mayo Clinic in the U.S. And at that time, Canada's approach was, we'll write and rescan you in January. And this was pancreatic cancer we were talking about. So I wasn't comfortable with a wait-and-see approach. <laughs> So we ended up going to Paris and my husband said to me, I can't hear this news. You're going to have to field that call from the doctor. And so I fielded the call and I stood there pacing on the streets of Paris. And then I had to walk back into the flat that we shared and deliver life altering news to my husband. And the next day, this is where the deciding moment came in. We went to go see uh, a movie on Christmas Day, as was our tradition. He was Jewish, so he didn't celebrate the holidays. And I was without my family. And so we went to we went to see a movie. And I sat there. It was Star Wars. So it was two and a half hours. And I sat there having the world's most massive silent panic attack. Because if I showed anything on my face, I got viral. So I sat there silently hyperventilating for two and a half hours. And I was in a, a nightmarish future of my own imagining. Had him dead and buried. He's gone. I'm alone. I'm the grieving widow. What am I going to do with my life from here on out? And as the lights came up, suddenly this sense of calm washed over me and I took a breath and I was like okay you have a choice to make here are you going to be the type of person who is defeated before you even take a single step in this journey or are you going to be the type of person who digs deep for the strength that they have inside them and helps your husband live the shit out of every single day he has left no matter if those days are few or many choose now and that's how you're going to walk this path and I chose door number two and so who came out of that door? Who came out of that door was a person irrevocably changed. I found a way to stand in my own power. I found a way to stand in my sense of hope, even when, it, even when I wasn't sure what I was hoping for. Because I found as our journey went on and it became clear that he was going to die and the aperture of hope, That I thought I was hoping for really narrowed to the point where I was like, there's no hope left in this situation. My own inner sense of hope only grew. And I was like, like, how is that possible? And it was because I had surrendered to not knowing what I was hoping for. So December 24th, that was 2018? sorry. 20, 20, 20, 20, 17. okay. So October 3rd, we found out he had a mass in his pancreas because he was at a business lunch and had a scotch and it sent him into stabbing abdominal pains. And he went to see his doctor and his doctor said, you need to go to have a CT scan at the ER. And so we did. And and then, like I said, we had several scans in Canada and some in the U.S. And then we went to Europe. He had a surgery in April of 2018, which was not successful. And he became very sick after that surgery. He developed a whole bunch of complications. And at a certain point, I said to the head radiologist, look, you you just need to patch him up enough for me to get him home because it's time for us to go home now. And then we came home to Canada. And there was a certain day where he was having a good day, but I knew we had to have this conversation because he told me it was his wish from the beginning. I said, look, I don't want to I don't want you to think that this is where things are imminently headed, but just so we're not scrambling, do you want me to get that paperwork started so that you can pursue your right to die? And he said, yes, Amanda, it's time to let me go. And I saw everything I needed to see on his face, which I didn't see all the other times he asked me to let him die (laughs) during the journey. I finally saw peace and acceptance and he was finally standing in his own power. So I said, "Okay, let's do this. And so he chose this day. And I said, OK, what day do you want to choose? And he, typical gay fashion, he said, the Americans aren't about freedom anymore. I'm taking
0: their day. So he took July 4th. <laughs> so 2018, July yeah. 4th. Yeah. Okay. Look, I'm, I know it's been a while and it's still, I'm listening to this and it's heartbreaking being here. So kudos to you for obviously seeing him through it and, and the strength that you've come out with in all of this. What did you learn about yourself? So you've obviously talked about hope, but what did you learn about yourself One. And as you've gone through this transition, what are the different stages? Because I'm pretty sure as strong as you are today and as committed as you were to embracing the unknown but coming out on top, I'm sure there were days you just broke down crying too, yeah, right? Like absolutely. grief doesn't just Absolutely, there were, but
1: it's funny because um, there are not only stages of grief, there are layers of grief. And I think I had come to terms with the fact that he was going to die, like, And the way that he died was so beautiful and full of power and he was standing in his own power and there was such beauty in that, that yes, it took me a while to wade through that grief, but it took me so many more years to peel away those layers of grief and finally get to the grief for myself. Because I started to mourn the life that we were going to have as soon as he got diagnosed because I knew that wasn't going to be our life anymore. And when he died, it wasn't just him that died. It was the life we were going to have that died. Our life together died. And suddenly, in, in the span of a breath, I went from we to me. And I had to figure out who I was going to be in this phase of my life that I didn't ask for or expected. And I had to figure out what I wanted my life to look like now that it was definitely not going to look like what I wanted it to <laughs> And there's a funny moment when it's, especially after a cancer journey, so much of who you are gets wrapped up into the caregiving role that when you don't have to do that anymore, it's now what? And I tried to go back to my old career. I was like, okay, let's try and go back. And I went back and I was still as good at it as I ever was. I still loved people. I still loved the puzzle of what I did with strategy and all of that. But there was something in me that was resisting it so hard. And I went back early and they just they convinced me to come back early and said it would be part-time. And part-time ended up being 17-hour days. And I said, you know what? This isn't what I signed up for. I need some time. Can you? I don't want to be called. I don't care if there is an advertising emergency, which doesn't exist, but don't call me. I need a month to sit and think. And as the clock was ticking down to when I was supposed to give them my decision, I found that I just resisted the idea so hard of going back. And I meditated on it and meditated on it. And finally, the answer that came up was you are trying to squeeze yourself back into a life that you outgrew. It's not there for you anymore. So what are you going to do now? Who are you going to be? And I realized that the career that I had before and dress that I ate for breakfast every single day was putting me on a path to creating disease in my own body, whether that was going to be cancer or some other debilitating disease was yet to be determined. And I decided I wanted something different from myself. And I wanted to see who I could be if not for that person that I had to leave behind. And so I decided to go freelance and still I was like, okay, so I'm freelancing doing the same thing I used to do, but I can say no now. I don't have to be as in it as I used to be. I was like, there's something more out there for you. And I kept getting these messages about life coaching. And I knew what life coaching was, but I never wanted to be a life coach. And I'm like, why am I seeing this everywhere? There's got to be a reason. And again, little voice inside me was like, you don't want to be a life coach, but there's cancer coaches. How about that? And I was like, huh, yeah, I like the idea of that. And I had a one hour call with the founder of a cancer coach training school out of San Francisco. And it was like, I found my people and like, I found the start of my purpose, something
0: that I could do to give back and something that I could do to reinvent myself. I presume that still being a cancer coach is quite draining on your energy and your emotions just by virtue of the fact that you're not going into a happy situation. But in all that, I've also known about you, and I've only literally met Amanda once. The one thing I can relate to her with is she has a cat and I have a fat cat. So I like, I, she's my people <laughs> in that sense. Um, but what else do you do? Because I've heard you just have this energy of a plethora of, of things that you experiment kind of. with. So that cancer also doesn't define exactly. you. Because when one thing defines you, that's hard. Because when you come to your next transformation and stage of kind of discomfort, again, you're left questioning, right? So you have taken on this philosophy of experimentation. So tell me a little yeah, bit about so, that.
1: So the first piece was like what I did professionally
0: to make my life different and to give me breathing room to explore.
1: And the second thing I did was I started going on all these little journeys of exploration and I gave myself challenges because it's something that I did during the cancer journey I shared with Gabe. I started doing the, the 100 days of happiness where you like post about something that makes you happy every single day as a practice so that I could incorporate gratitude and happiness into even the worst of the days because we think they can't coexist in us and, and they can. Happiness and grief can share at the same table. So after he died, I was like, okay, who am I and who do I want to be now? So I started doing this. I called it the Unshakable Me Challenge. And I looked at a bunch of different fears that I had all year long. And I gave, gave myself challenges. I decided that I was going to, like, skydive. And that didn't come until a couple of years later. But I set a whole bunch of challenges for myself. And then I read a book that sort of changed everything for me. I read Julia Cameron's Artist's Way. It's meant to unblock creatives, but what it does is you're supposed to go on an artist date every week. You take yourself out and you do things that only you input into. You don't, have, you can't. Somebody else can't go with you. You have to go and experience it yourself. And I just started experiencing all these corners of my own city that I never really knew existed anymore. And I started saying yes to things. And who knows? Maybe I would hate it, but I was like, that's a new experience. And if I was a little bit afraid by it. I was like, you need to do that. So I did things like I went to a rage room and broke dishes and I went to a knife skills workshop and learned how to use knives because I'd always been afraid to use anything but the little paring knife. And it's the things that scared me. And I started to discover facets of myself through all of those experiences. And I started to meet my people. I started to find my tribe in all of these different corners of Toronto. And I started to collect people. And for the first time in my adult life, I wasn't afraid to say, This might sound weird, but I feel like we could be friends.
0: I love that. And I love the unshakable me challenge. I'm also curious. Are you any good at cooking or are you? I'm okay.
1: I'm okay at cooking. I don't love it. I like to bake. I'm more of a baker. I like the science part of it. So the artistry part of it, I don't understand as much. And it's like, why isn't it working according to the recipe? Oh, because you have to play with the recipe.
0: (laughs) Okay. So the knife skills have really benefited in the kitchen. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um. Okay. I Yeah, I love this unshakable me challenge. And I think it's something I, I love to get across to people more. But in your evolution, there are certain things that have stayed with you that are core to you. What would you say are those core things? Curiosity, openness,
1: playfulness, like a sense of play and silliness, for sure. Okay. A third for adventure. And a belief that the things that scare you contain information about what you need most. And sometimes it is a good warning. We're built with fear internally to save us from true danger. But most of the things we fear are the things we should pursue in some way, shape, or form.
0: Lots and lots to, to learn about you and just your journey, and I'm always in awe and inspired. And Amanda's a great writer. I, she posts on on Facebook regularly and has a website, and I'm going to share that information on the website so that people can access you. But here's a cheesy question: You can't change the past, but knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self? That poor last little girl,
1: I would say, you are waiting for someone to save you but in the end, you're gonna save yourself. It's going to get better. You are going to start believing in yourself. And the minute you do, the minute you start learning to love yourself and start to treat all aspects of yourself, even the crunchy, hard to love bits, the minute you embrace the totality of who you are, everything in your life will become easier. Not easy, because life is never easy, but easier. You will be able to breathe. You will be able to step into your authenticity. And the moment you do that, you will find your people and your world
0: will open up more than you could ever imagine. You hit the nail on the head. It becomes easier, but not easy. So there's always going to be moments of anxiety because people are evolving beings. And so what do you do on a daily basis when you have those anxieties and, you know, potential questions in your head? to reset and calm yourself a little bit. What are practices that you follow? And I know everybody has a different practice. People meditate, people journal. What does Amanda do? Working
1: out, definitely. I work out daily and it gets out some of that restless energy that sometimes we store up in our body. I also meditate and I do something a little different. A lot of people sit while they meditate. I get really restless when I have to sit and do something that I find boring. The way I solve that is I do walking meditations in nature. And when my body is busy, I find that my mind can focus on the present moment and I can really be rooted in what's happening around me and what I'm feeling. And I'm in my body when I'm in nature and when I can see it.
0: Are you somebody who loves to dance?
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's also a big piece. I, my house music is my religion. Okay. And so I chase DJ sets and festivals all over the world. You will find me out at a house music DJ show at least two to three times a month, sometimes more. Even in my kitchen, I have living room kitchen dance parties. If I need to move through something through an emotion that I find really uncomfortable to hold, I will put on music and dance through it. I have a big neon sign in my living room that says it, last night a DJ saved my life
0: because I can't tell you how many times
1: that statement has borne true in my life.
0: I'm not going to disclose how old Amanda is because I actually don't know either, but I just want to let you know that she has two grown daughters and she is now a soul being at home, if I'm correct, with your cat and your dog. And yet she's stepping outside of her comfort zone every day and embracing the music and the newness of the world. And so I think that's definitely a sign to everybody else that like age definitely does not define or restrict all the activities and things you could do to explore who you really are. Last question. What other parts of Amanda have you left to discover? There's obviously all the things that you don't know. And tell us about what your next adventure might be. Oh, God. So there are
1: so many parts, just like Ontario, yours to discover. There are so many parts of me. What's your Girl for Ontario? There are so many parts of me that are still left to discover. And I find with every experience I have, And say yes to, even when I thought I shouldn't. So, for example, a friend wanted to take me to dinner at O Noir recently for my birthday. And I'm a person who has texture and flavor issues with food. And my immediate reaction was like, oh, my God, no. And whenever I have a big pocket of resistance in myself, I say, "Mm, what's going on there? Why are you saying no? And I thought, and the reasons I came up with, what if I don't like it? Simply not good enough. So I thought, okay, let's go. And then you've learned to be more open and you learn different pieces of yourself. And I just say yes to things.
0: Even when I want to say no. Awesome. Listen, thank you for joining. I, like I said, I met Amanda at a time when I was really down and I didn't know a whole lot about her. At least I didn't take in as much of our experience as I did. And I've learned a ton about her and I've also watched her evolution online over the last little while and inspired by her and hope that I also get to uh, experience more of me over the next couple of months, years, and hopefully everybody can join along. But but I'm going to share Amanda's details and thank you, Amanda, for being oh, here Oh, thank to you for having me. I'm so glad I did this interview with Amanda. I now recollect her mentioning so many of these things a year ago during our walk on the beach but then I wasn't in a place to really take it in. I am now, and I'm forced to ask myself, who is the unshakable Miriam? I've been on a few adventures recently, as you know, this podcast being one of them, but there's so much to discover who I am and also likely who you are. Don't lose that opportunity. And so as we end today's episode, our united challenge is to dig deep and decide who we are going to show up as when we hit that uncomfortable, proverbial crossroad turning point, and next phase in our lives. And while you're at it, I challenge you to truly explore the things that scare you, because they contain information about what you need most. It's a reminder that you know yourself best, and that you have the power to help you. And now that you've taken a break, let's go explore. Until next time, live strong and embrace the daybreak.